0: And I'm Matt Wally.
1: From the One Time Podcast.
0: I hope you love listening to what we've been working on. We're absolutely loving doing it.
1: And as our guests get bigger and bigger and our conversations get better and better, all we ask from you is one thing.
0: Subscribe. That's it. Everything improves with that one little button. So please help us out. If you love the content, give us a subscribe.
1: Guys, welcome back to another week and another episode. Today, our special guest that we have is Max Lowenstein. Is that right?
0: I think so.
1: <laughs> Max is a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's degree in clinical nutrition. He's also a published author and also a breathwork guide. And if that wasn't enough, he is also the co-founder of an online yoga platform called How to Practice Yoga, as well as a medicinal mushroom supplements brand called Neutro Mushroom. This episode is filled with lots of informative and educational conversations that we're really excited to bring to you this week. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode.
0: Awesome.
2: Can I just say how much I love the one headphone approach? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's really, it's, no, I'm not, I'm not even joking. It could be, oh, he's tongue in cheek. I'm not. It's like, it's like, you're like connected. You know what I mean? Like literally you're connected. (laughs) <laughs> I we're kind of laughing at it, but it's cool. I don't know. I, I like the wired. If I could have plugged in wired headphones to my laptop, I would have. I'm, I'm a huge fan of wired headphones.
0: Yeah, same. I'm moving well away from the wireless these days. Same. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's kick it off. Let's do it. Welcome, Max. How are you?
2: Hey, so well. And yourself? Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for coming on. You're our, our first international guest. <laughs> <had> spot. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's uh let's kick into gear. I um I I'd love to hear about you and what you do. I will start there, but the first question I have is what context of your early years will allow us to understand you as a human.
2: Wow, what a well articulated question. Um so maybe I guess one of the most formative memories I have was how old was I? Like three or six? And I was eating with my mom. And I forget what the comment was that I made. But she made a comment like, maybe you should have the salad instead of the burger at the time. And I was like, I was so confused. I was like, why? And she's like, well, you know, a salad is going to affect your body way differently than a burger. And at that early age, my mind was blown. So my mom's a dietitian, much like me. I'm a dietitian, my master's degree in clinical nutrition, and this is like one of my earliest memories. Actually, is my mom explaining to me in not such big words the caloric and micro and macro, the macronutrient differences between a burger and a salad, and this kind of like began and uh, guided the rest of my life. To be honest, all the way up to a diet to becoming a dietitian. I also um, when I was very young. Right when I was entering high school, uh, 13 years old, my mom forced me to start doing yoga. And I hated it um, (laughs) for the first few classes, right? But you're forced to do it. I had to come home early every day from basketball. And I think these are two of, uh, you know, I can't think of a better thing for her to have done for me than to forcefully put me on this path. Yeah, so those those are probably the two most. I
0: love it. I love it. Well, maybe maybe give us a little synopsis of the maybe a five minute synopsis of your life story from beginning to kind of how we got here. Like, give us the dot points, and then we can start tackling into the details. Because you've got quite an interesting story. Like we, for a bit of context, we met because we were both in Tulum and we were next Mm -hmm. to each other in the villas, (laughs) (laughs) and we hadn't spoken much for like. The first week or so that they were there and we were there. Yeah. But there was this little dog. <laughs> we, had this, <laughs> we had this running joke where every dog we saw in Mexico would call Scruffles. Scru- <laughs> every dog was called Scruffles. So we were calling his dog Scruffles. And I think the, peak po- like the and the peak moment of that joke was when we realized the dog's name was actually Ruffles. Oh my Waffles, God. Waffles, Waffles. 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 And I was like, oh, my God. So for the last week, these guys have just thought that we've just been mis- mispronouncing the dog's name.
2: The name. Yeah, we, just, we literally thought, you're like, oh, it's like Waffles, Scruffles." It's like so close. No, we had our,
0: we had our own running joke that we were having so much fun with the whole time. Oh, my God. And then from that moment, we became friends.
1: I love <laughs> yeah. it. I love it.
2: We yeah, became and we friends. Ended- I gave him some mushrooms, some legal, some <laughs> mushrooms.
1: The rest was history. <laughs> and Literally. the rest was
2: history. Yeah.
0: yeah. So it's a fun little side note. But yeah, so give us a, so there's a lot you do and you're a very diverse human being that seems as I, the more I get to know you, the uh, more I understand like how wild the, the, your life has been. So, you know, just for my personal understanding, it'd be great to hear that story a little bit.
2: Yeah, yeah. Even my introduction to the world, right? A Cuban and a Texan kind of coming together to, uh, form me, it's already kind of a little bit of a a diverse background. But I guess the main guiding post, post of my life is I love to see what modern science says. What does the cutting edge science tell us is good for us? And what do ancient practices, all this ancient wisdom that we have access to, what does that tell us is good for us? And there's this cross-section where those two meet, because there are some things people have been doing for a long time that may not be the most effective or may not even be the best for us. Kind of like, well, my mom said, well, my mom said, well, my mom said kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And there are other things that are emerging brand new and uh, turn out very much effective. And so I like finding this cross-section and I do this in a few different ways. One is with physical movement through yoga. I taught acro yoga, so two person yoga as well. Um, but also breath work. So this is like the second way that I really like to express this. The scriptures talk about so many different types of breath work. Mm -hmm. When you actually hook someone up to a machine and measure what happens in their body, which styles of breath work really change both cognition and increase biomarkers in a way that's favorable. And then the final way, which is one of my favorites, is through nutrition. Um, This lifelong passion of mine that I feel is actually quite literally in my blood. Um, (laughs) My mom was working in a hospital dietitian before I was even born. So it's literally ingrained into my DNA. And this is, as you know, a very heated topic. Mm -hmm. In a lot of circles, there's people on all ends of the spectrum. Everyone has to eat, right? You don't have to move. Well you kind of have to have some kind of movement, but uh, you can never stop breathing. And you can never really stop eating. Yeah. So people usually think they're doing it right because they do it every single day all the time. But when you actually, for example, look at someone's breathing mechanics, you can tell a lot by someone just by how they're breathing.
0: A lot of people don't know how to breathe. When I started doing yoga, I realized <laughs> that most people don't understand how to breathe and it is leading directly to their anxiety. <laughs>
2: like, Yeah, yeah. The breath is the direct correlate to how the mind stream is moving. The breath and mind are the same energy. One is more subtle and one is more manifest. You can actually prove this to yourself quite easily, right? Imagine the last time you were in road rage or in the car, like very angry. How was your breathing pattern? Shallow? I don't think it was a deep, luxurious breath into the bottom (laughs) of your stomach. It was shallow. It was rapid. It was fast. Your mind was also racing, right?
0: You know what I've Um, learned? Mm-hmm. A quickly, quick note on that exact point. Yeah. Um, from yoga, I've noticed the challenge the, the the breath going back to the focus of breath during challenging physical moments. Like there's that frustrate when you get when you're in a hot room and you're in a hard pose, and you get that kind of I mean I don't know about you guys, but I get that wall of frustration, and then I go. <sighs> And I breathe into that. And now that's just a default mechanism that I use in, in road rage situations. <laughs> like I'm like about to slam the brakes on and I go, and someone will go, if I'm with someone next to me, they'll say to me, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, no, I'm just processing. <laughs> like it, It's an automatic procession. So anyway, yeah, continue.
2: No, no, that is exactly 100% right. In fact, my first yoga teacher and the most impactful yoga teacher I ever had, it was almost annoying to go to her class. I don't know why I kept going back to masochist. <laughs> But every single second, she was like, where's your breath, Max? Where's your breath? You're a warrior. Where's your breath? Where's like hundreds of times per class. Where's your breath? If you're not breathing, you're not doing yoga. And one of the most transferable things, and I find actually the biggest benefit of yoga is what happens when you take these lessons you learn on your mat and you bring them off your mat. So I put myself in an uncomfortable position on the mat and I learned that I can breathe through it so that when I'm in the car. And I'm in an uncomfortable position, I can breathe through it and I don't let the mind wander off because we're not in control of our thoughts. We never have been, even though we like to think we are. So
1: it's, it's really interesting because what you just said about applying the lessons and the learnings on the mat and taking it to, you know, different stressful situations that make you feel uncomfortable. So on Friday I actually did my very first solo skydive and I Congratulations. Yeah, thank wow. you. Appreciate it. But it was so interesting because I realized why I love it so much is because how focused you have to be and how much breath is so impactful when you need to be, like, focused and give yourself that clarity. So the first jump that I took, I shocked myself at how I wasn't nervous. And one of the instructors came up to me afterwards and they're like, you have a very calming presence about you. Being around you, you've got this calming presence that kind of just... Settles everything else around you. And I said to her, I'm like, no shit. Like, as soon as I jumped out, the first thing I thought was, you need to breathe because you need to be relaxed. The more relaxed you are, it's counterintuitive because you're falling 15,000 feet from the sky and you're like supposed to be freaking out. (laughs) And every single, like, it was just the most blissful. Like, I can't explain how much time just slowed down. It was the longest minute of my life and I was able to just do everything I needed to do while maintaining that breath. And I got down and someone said to me, you know, how did you go? Like, what did you feel? And I said, you know what, for the first time in my life, not only did I just fully trust myself, but there was this healthy level of fear that had to be there to keep me safe. And I saw it and I was aware of it, but there was also this really calming sense of trust through breathing and just breathing everything out that made me go, you know what? You got this, like, you know what you're doing. So it was so cool because all those years of practicing yoga, practicing breath work was actually implemented in this high stress situation. And I like did it and was like, oh, like I can literally do anything right now. I just have to breathe literally. And it sounds so cliche, yeah. but it's like, that is all you have to do to give yourself that space to be like, all right, I got this. I know what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. I
2: love it. Yeah. Another so, great point is that like kind of anything can be yoga yeah you know? yeah like you're, you're skydiving is your yoga because you're using the breath and you're and you're being mindful and you're you're carrying those lessons into other aspects of your life
1: yeah absolutely mm. <clears throat> really cool to see it like actually being applied into a completely different scenario, but it was the same thing like body awareness breath work um, I, yeah i've just i've never felt so at peace and so calm like I did in that moment. I was like, whoa, this is insane.
0: Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, looping, looping back to to your story, let's let's kind of get into, so you began at three. You were a nutritionist. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> nutritionist. Dietitian. I'm oh, sorry, no, dietitian. What, what's the difference between a nutritionist, nutritionist and a dietitian? I don't actually know.
2: All good. Most people don't. So, a nutritionist can get just some kind of certification over a weekend, or actually, there is no uh, real like unifying body for nutritionists. You can call yourself a nutritionist if you wanted to. You could just say, Hey, I'm a nutritionist. Um, doesn't really mean a whole lot, which is why technically my letters are RDN, registered dietitian nutritionist. Mm-hmm. It used to just be registered dietitian, but then there were all these people handing out like certificates over a weekend calling themselves nutritionists, and there was a lot of let's say confusion well what's the difference between you a dietitian and this person a nutritionist so yeah. the academy of dietetics basically just said hey let's add nutrition to the end as well that way there's a little bit of clarity around the situation so a nutritionist can just be basically anyone generally they have some kind of certification um and that's not saying that all nutritionists are bad or anything by any means it's just I had to go through like a lot of schooling and I did my master's. I did a coordinate program. I spent time in the hospital to get my master's as well. So yeah, yeah. one has a degree and one has maybe a certification, I guess. Enough. The...
0: Good to know. I didn't know that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so you've, you've begun early stages. You've, your mum gets you into yoga and then you go to study. Let, let us know, like keep telling us the story.
2: I got my degree in biology and biostatistics because I'm really interested in kind of what, what is the hard science saying? And it really paved the foundation for being in the hospital, for being with patients and for being in my master's program, because I was able to objectively and subjectively look at the data, not just from my perspective, but like, Hey, from a analytical perspective, is this like a good study? A lot of people will just see a headline and I don't know what the Major news channels in Australia are, but they'll just see a headline oh, It's like, the the shit house. "Sorry
0: about it." The exact science new,
2: <laughs> new study like shows like, did you know like mm. this could cancer like all kinds of weird things, and it was like something done in a petri dish that or you know it doesn't even. There was a study done where you give mice probiotics, and they put on muscle without doing any exercise. <laughs> you know the the mechanism the. They, and that is not transferable to humans at all. And that's just, that's a really bad example because I really like looking at like the analytics of a study and the materials and the methods and seeing like, Hey, how well was this put together? And does it make sense, but that's just a really like big example of a clickbaity thing where you could be like probiotics puts on muscles when mm. that could not be farther from the truth. And we are not mice. Mm.
0: Yeah. I've, I've got a book that I want to read about how to understand studies. It's on the list. I can't remember what it's called, but it's uh, it's oh. definitely on the list. So I, I feel you with that. Um, it's cool, really yeah. become apparent over the last couple of years that you need to take your own health and nutrition and kind of fitness into your own hands because there's so much noise. Mm-hmm. So, but we'll come back to that. I've got a few questions down the line, but yeah. So keep going. Yeah, so you studied, and then when did the how to how to t- it's how to teach you- wait, What's the 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 um how to practice yoga page? That's a whole thing in itself. <laughs> like-
2: how to pra- yeah, how to practice yoga is an Instagram um, that I have built, and it was a way that I wanted to give back to the community. So there are you know lots of free classes on there. And if you choose to subscribe, we wanted to make it very cheap, so I think it's like nine ninety nine a month, or like a hundred for a year, and you get hundreds of on demand classes, constantly adding new classes, and there's some breathwork and meditation with me as well. I just wanted to build more of a community around yoga because you know I've been doing Instagram for a while, and I have a few pages, and it always kind of felt like I was. Uh, talking out into a crowd. And I wanted something that was kind of more two-way, or something that I felt was more two-way. So hearing what people wanted, putting up classes that they wanted, and specifically making it in a way so that anyone can join. If you want a really two-hour, super-advanced, hot, sweaty class going to kick your butt, you got it. If you're a busy mom, you only have three minutes to do some simple stretches against the wall to rejuvenate you, you've got it. And literally everything in between. Meditation, mm-hmm. breath work, five-minute classes, 10-minute classes, 15-minute classes, any style, hundreds and hundreds.
1: So when did that start? Like how long ago did you start that page and that kind of community and platform?
2: <sighs> oh, God. Right at the beginning of the pandemic. So oh, how so long ago was long. that?
0: Wow. Because that's a big like No,
2: like, th- like three, three years. So the page has been there for a while. And it was yeah. just kind of me posting stuff on it. And I wanted to build this community. I wanted to have more of a community feel. I wanted to have more of people you could comment on videos or you know, you could tell me which instructors you like and I bring them on for classes. Yeah, wow. So, yeah. yeah, this is it's and and actually uh I had planned to do this before the pandemic and it just launched directly when the pandemic started. So it was just good timing. Yeah. We I mean, the pandemic time. was not <laughs> <I> was <laughs> <talking> about, But <laughs> for online yoga it was just a good time to launch great yeah. time to
1: launch
0: and how's it going now is it still thriving
2: yeah it's doing well i have largely moved my focus to my mushroom supplement company which is actually how we originally bonded and other various dietetics related endeavors but the community is still run by my wife who's constantly adding classes and working with teachers and onboarding teachers and um it's it's a really fun process to watch it grow through her hands and her eyes now.
0: Yeah, I love That's it. Awesome. So the timeline was you studied and then you are doing yoga. You start the page. The page was part of because you've got you know, your healing motions. Side
2: of things. <clears throat> like everything
0: seems. I'm still trying to put the pieces together. on you. The so. pieces
2: I can I can give you I can give you a pretty concise timeline. So yeah, I was cool. studying, and as soon as I finished college, I worked as a personal trainer for a year. I saved up some money to go to grad school, and then. I went to grad school. Um, then I immediately became, or rather, I think maybe right before I went to grad school, I became a yoga teacher. It was some? What did you do? I think maybe it was like right training. I did my teacher training out in California, so I was personally trained in a style called Yoga Works. It was just my home studio was Yoga Works, and uh, this is not a Yoga Works ad. I don't think that they're the best or anything. Um, <laughs> They just had like a good emphasis on anatomy at the time and my teacher who i very uh much trusted his opinion and i love his teaching said hey you should take a yoga works teaching so i went out to california to do that because there was none in florida and then i um went to grad school <clears throat> and shortly after i realized i didn't want to work in the hospital i would be for, with a patient for five minutes and then I would chart mm-hmm. on them for 30 minutes. And it felt really not only impersonal to me, but like, I wasn't having as much of an impact as possible. Yes. I was talking with doctors and I was helping with like TPNs yeah. and all kinds of things TPN? that you very much need a dietitian for. So sometimes when you're in the hospital, you can't eat yourself and you have to have like food pumped into you, oh, uh, on. through a tube. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have to make sure like that the nutrients are right right? Because certain micronutrient deficiencies or macronutrient deficiencies would rarely happen, but can still happen in this case, um, can lead to some serious consequences, especially like if the person's healing, they need different ratios of certain things. So there are some um, skills that are really needed and dietitians need to be in the hospital. But just for me personally, it felt super impersonal. I want to spend more time with people and I wanted to communicate more and I wanted to educate more as opposed to, I don't know how the system is in Australia, but in the U.S., there's very little time with patients because oh, there's so the same, yeah. many in the hospital. I would I would walk in in a day, so I'd have class in the morning, and then I'd head over to the hospital, and I'd have, like, 20 patients to see mm. in, like, how many hours was it? Like, three hours? Mm. Four hours? I'd have, like, 20 patients, which doesn't seem maybe like a ton, but that's kind of a ton for me. I, I would much rather Probably spend an hour with one person. 12 minutes a patient. And that's not including, by the way, I okay. charted for like a half hour on each patient or 15 minutes on each patient. I had to walk around from room to room at a lunch break. Like
0: mm.
2: there were a lot of things going down
0: for so five minutes. a patient, so It
2: really. So really is like five minutes a patient. And I remember I had one, um, near the end of my stay, there is this one woman who was in the hospital who had lost multiple limbs to diabetes. And just no one could get through to her. And she was just she was not having a good time, just to put it lightly and put it nicely. And she was expressing that to everyone. What a not good time she was having. And she was having more complications, that's why she was back in the hospital. And no one could get through to her, no one could get her to adhere to her diet. And she was just being like kind of rude and crass. And I just felt called. I walked up to the room and I just like sat down next to her. Like I I put down my you know, I usually have like papers that like a chart with. I just like put everything down and I was just like you know, I, I had a real heart to heart with her. I'm not going to divulge what I said. Um, but I had just a real open heart to heart where, yeah, I guess that's that's all I really feel comfortable saying. And, fine, you know, after that, she was just glowing. And everyone was like, wow. What? she? First of all, she wasn't even my patient. I had to ask, can I go talk to her, please? Mm-hmm. And once I was given permission, um, you know, over the course of the next few days, she was a completely different person and she, she had really like transformed in that when given the opportunity, she really transformed and uh, in that moment, I don't know if it was me or if it was a culmination of all the things because maybe I was just the straw that um, helped the ha- camel's back or something. <laughs> but she started adhering to her diet and, you know, with diabetes, that's a lot of the things mm. that- Is that uh, type one or type two? She was type two.
0: Because one of my good friends is a type one and I've yeah. gone down this rabbit hole of trying to understand how to help his <laughs> help him on, on blood glucose management. And like yeah. at one at one point I got a um continuous glucose monitor to just see where my blood glucose levels were and Yeah. 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 I find it so interesting.
2: It's a fun experiment. But yeah. anyway, um after this experience and many others, I decided this wasn't really for me. Especially because Um, As a vegan, a lot of the advice that I wanted to give was really frowned upon. In fact, I'll never forget this. One time after class, um, I was talking about all the plant-based sources of protein. And one of my my fellow students came up to me after class. And she said, do you know how stupid you sound when you talk like that? You know how stupid that sounds? And I was just like, ah, man, (laughs) this is i am not being received well here (laughs) so and and the ironic thing is is that right before i left right before i graduated and then left the hospital um the new guidelines came out which like promoted less meat less milk less every everything that i had been saying and no one said after that like when the new guidelines came out that had like that were like was like promoting like less meat and everything everyone kind of changed their tune a little bit but I already decided that I, I didn't want to be in the hospital setting. And so mm. by that time, I was already with my now wife. Uh, she was my girlfriend at the time. She's also a dietitian, So it's just my life surrounded <laughs> by, attracted to everything. And um, she also, she worked at a hospital uh, helping people with like traumatic spinal cord injuries and like brain injuries, like heal with food, basically. Wow. And I told That's her, hey, this isn't really resonating with me. I am going to... Uh, like travel around and we had been doing acro yoga at the time. I'm going to do my acro yoga teacher training and I'm going to teach acro yoga and like kind of travel. Um, and I totally understand if you want to stay here and do your career thing. Um, but you're also welcome to come with me and she just quit her job and we both started traveling around and doing acro yoga.
0: (laughs) And what, what year was
2: this? Oh, years. I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe ten years I have no ago. idea. I'm not I'm not, I'm not really good with time. Time melts That's... together for me. I feel like it was like I feel like it was 2013. Okay, so about 10 years ago. Could that be possible?
0: Everything's possible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like 2013. So we traveled around and did that for a while. I got various certifications, FRC certified, so functional FRC. range conditioning. Yeah. yeah. hmm um, I'm sort I've certified in breath work and I've led, uh, that's kind of where my passions went. Um, you know, I, I got certified in many different styles of breath work, uh, including pranayama, mm-hmm. which is not really a type of breath work. I would say it's more like moving energy through the body from a school in India called Kaibalyadam. as well as, um, I've done some like more kind of like what you would consider like functional breathing type things. Like, Hey, how's your diaphragm moving? Is your rib cage moving well? And that's kind of where i largely transitioned into was like the more yoga breath work space specifically breath work um and during that time i also picked up a passion for meditation that i didn't have when i was doing the more physical practices of yoga and acro yoga i started meditating for like two hours a day which i really enjoy and i love
0: so you do still to this day meditate two hours a day
2: not two hours a day one hour or for, really realistically it's like 40 minutes Yeah. Yeah. It takes me like 10 minutes to get settled down and like drop in and then, you know, 10 minutes to come out. It's like 40 minutes of like a good meditation. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, from breath work, <clears throat> one of the cool things about your body is that they have these, uh, little components called mitochondria that are in all of your cells. And these cells take the food that you eat and the air that you breathe and it creates you it it creates all the energy that is you and so i really with all my knowledge of breath work moved into like studying the mitochondria for all intents and purposes and they fascinated me and i started creating products um these these mushroom supplements based around mitochondrial health and helping people live better lives and now i'm you know, creating more formulations with different plants. And it's been really fulfilling for me because I can help people in a really palpable way on Instagram. So I've amassed a semi-decent following of around 3 million on all my different channels. And, um, it's a little bit hard when you're disconnected for so long. I spent so long building those channels and, posting and typing behind a screen. It's really awesome to have like a physical product that I can give mm. people and I can see the reaction in their face. That's like, oh, I love this. Yeah. You know, or this is helping me. I'm sure the Instagrams also help people. And I have people who have said, yeah, this has like helped me, but you can't see all the people who have liked your photos. Just like, I know you can't uh, see all the people who have tried your product, but they're much more likely to reach out mm. like through reviews and stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And that's kind of taken you to today. So, so you've got the yoga business, the mushroom business, and then you're a coach in breath work and yoga and bits and pieces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So what next? Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so right now I'm really excited. I'm working on some different things with some different plants. I am combining plants for, to have some synergistic effects that are really awesome and that haven't been done yet. And I can't divulge too much about it. Unfortunately, we'll come back you're on the telling. podcast when it's like, <laughs> when it's like absolutely when it's done and everything's ready and it looks awesome. And I'll bring it on. Um, I'll be super pumped on that. But yeah, right now I'm just uh, still focusing on the mushrooms and the plants.
0: And would you, would you say that you're happy? Like life's life solid and you're happy.
2: Life's pretty solid. Life's pretty solid. One thing that I've been working on for a really long time, and that I also teach in breathwork, my particular lineage teaches this, that first of all, everything in life is in front of you to grow, but also moving away from everything external to me has to be perfect in order for me to be happy. Because I am very busy and I work a lot and I'm constantly traveling, which sounds fun, but when you're moving every single week or every single oh, month, think, after 10 years, it gets tiring. And you know, sometimes being away from family for long periods of time. Not everything in life has to be. And one thing that I work on diligently with the breath work and the meditation, everything is that life doesn't have to be. The external world doesn't have to be perfect, or in a even in a favorable condition for me to be happy. Mm -hmm. But everything, but yeah, but everything is kind of. You know, I feel like life is going my way. Because that's what I believe. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, as you believe, uh, even if bad things are happening, if you think kind of life is going your way, life is going your way. Whatever you believe, you're correct. I think that's the saying, right?
0: Yeah, so so on that note, you know, so you've got, you've developed this underlying sense of kind of contentment and happiness that is irrespective of whether the, you know, the world is going up or down, you know, external circumstances. How, just for listeners, what techniques have you used to get to that point?
2: Yeah, that's an amazing question. So the first and most important thing is understanding, and not on a mind level, but in your body, feeling and knowing that you are not your thoughts. Mm. You may think you're your thoughts. Um, You can do some experiments to find out. So the first one, which is like the easiest one is like, if I told you to focus on my finger, focus on my finger and nothing, focus on nothing but my fingernail for 10 minutes. And if you can focus on my finger or my fingernail or whatever, my hand for 10 minutes without letting another thought enter your mind, I'll give you $10 billion. Make (laughs) it up that it's true, right? I have $10 billion somehow in this hypothetical situation. (laughs) If you can just think about my hand for 10 minutes, I can almost guarantee within 45 seconds that your thought crosses your mind. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: If you're a skilled meditator, maybe it's going to be two minutes. Mm -hmm. But I can almost guarantee why when there's so much on the line, you could help so many people with $10 billion. You could change the life of yourself and everyone you know, and even many people on the planet everyone would know your name why could you not focus on cuz your mind actually isn't you mm. and it's never been under your control but we think it is our mind is just our past traumas or events and experiences that's it our aversions and our attachments and it's evolutionarily there for a reason you know sometimes i get into this conversation and we go down the rabbit hole, and people are like, you know, and you hear this a lot in the spiritual community, like, ah, oh, the ego. I'm trying to get rid of my ego. No, the ego is good, right? I need to put food in my mouth, hat on I my throw. head, and shoes on my feet. Like, I can't put my shoes on my head and like <laughs> food in my armpit. You and know, you can, like but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be a functioning member of society for very long if I do that. <laughs> And you're or alive, a
0: member of society, because you that ego keeps you in that frame, right?
2: Yeah, there are certain things that just like need to happen on a daily basis. Like we need to do laundry, you know. So, oh no, I've transcended. I don't need to do laundry. I'm not my thoughts. I don't smell. You smell, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so there are these this is this these two sides of the coin, right? Which is like, you're not your thoughts and you can't rely on them like they're the truth. Yet they are helpful in lots of situations. And the reason this is important for understanding and being happy with whatever there is, is because most of the thoughts that you think are ruminations, I think it's something like 93% of the thoughts you think are thoughts that you thought yesterday. Yeah. You think 65,000 thoughts per day. Most of them are cyclical, okay? And your subconscious mind is developed between the age of zero and seven. So unless you're doing the work, you're just reliving those first seven years over and over again in all of your relationships, in all of your social situations. You're just pulling in new faces, new figures. You just have new things happening, but it's it's the same thing. You're addicted to the same chemicals, even if they're not good chemicals, by the way. You're addicted to the drama You're this, that, something, you know, your central nervous system needs to feel safe in some kind of chemical concoction. And you're just replicating that and you're recreating that. Mm. So when we realize that we are not our thoughts, we can move beyond thought. And there is something beyond thought. There is something beyond thought. A lot of people will call this their intuition, like a gut feeling. There's a lot of different words for it now, which I'm not going to, Go through them. People call it like God. Some people call it like spirit, nature. It's like there is something there that we can all feel, even if you're atheist, uh, just quiet mind or uh, emptiness, as, as the Buddhists would say. Mm-hmm. And in this space, <clears throat> you can more fully, if you train in this space, you can more fully perceive the world as it is, not as you are. Yeah. You more fully perceive the world as it is, not as you are. And something that my teacher teaches um, is what's called the four levels of listening. This is from, I believe, MIT. And the fourth level of listening, like the most advanced level of listening, which is also listening to this four, space.
0: I've never heard of this, so I'd love to understand this.
2: Cool. Yeah. So um, just as... A quick aside, my teacher, Scott Schwank teaches two forms of kind of development, right? We have spiritual development, but we also have ego development. So there are a lot of people who are really spiritually inclined and developed and they have all kinds of like sex scandals and like things are, you know, it's because their ego isn't very developed. So you need to develop both of these things. And this is on the ego development side, which is kind of on both, but the four levels of listening... All right. And this is, I'm like 99% positive. This is work out of MIT. So the first level of listening is just recalling the past. This is the lowest level of listening. And it's like, if I'm talking to you and you're like, or when you're, when you're, when you're conversing with the waiter, right. And the waiter's like, enjoy your food. And you're like, you too. (laughs) You know, you're, you weren't really listening. Like, you're not really listening. You're, you, you already know what you're going to say. You already have the conversation kind of planned out. Like, it's, it's just like kind of on autopilot.
0: I just meant for when he has his meal later.
2: That was... For when he has his meal later. <laughs> Getting in early. <laughs> the second level of listening is debate. It doesn't have to be a bad thing, by the way. People hear debate and they think like, oh, like debating, like angry. It doesn't have to be debate. It's just you're listening for one particular thing. And when you hear that one particular thing, you discount everything else they say, and you focus on that one particular thing. So it could be an also a positive context as well, right? You're talking to someone new that you met and they say that they're in finance or someone you're attracted to, right? You meet a, a pretty or a, an attractive person and they say they're in finance. And then you immediately make the association. My brother or my sister is in finance. And you kind of just wait for them to stop talking so you can say your point, like, oh my god, that's so awesome. Yeah, like my brother's also in finance, like he like this, right? You're just latching onto one specific point that they made. Um, the third level of listening is the first level that empathy comes online. It's 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 listening from someone from their listening to someone from their particular shoes. So seeing how they feel about the situation as well. But the fourth level of listening is the most transformative level. Because you're removing the energetic lid that we place on others. As an example, have you ever been with someone who is like, makes you just feel so loved and you express so much love around them? Or have you ever been around someone and you're around them, you're just immediately in a bad mood.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You're just like, oh, this person always brings out the worst in me. This person always brings out the best in me. It's because people, and science also backs this up by the way, like our hearts emit a frequency like actual electrical signals, and so does our brain. And so from this fourth level of listening, we remove that energetic lid. We're listening to someone, not only from their perspective, but with all their past experiences in mind. For this beautiful person, anything is possible. This person could change on the spot. And it is a very hard place to listen from. It's also a very powerful place to listen from. And... In my own experience, when I tap into this stage of listening, really listening to someone, being fully present with them and understanding in this way, crazy things happen.
0: So how do you, crazy get, how, do you how do you listen at that point? How do you get to that so point to listen?
2: The first and my favorite way to drop into this is to first tune into your breath and see how your breath is doing, right? If it's really shallow and like rapid and, you know, you can feel it high in your chest. Maybe take a couple of deep breaths and slow it down. Because you can see through the breath what your mind stream is doing. So first, let's slow everything down. Let's take some deep breaths. And the second thing is removing tension. So this could be mental tension. This could be tension in the physical body, as my teacher teaches it. Um, so that, that can be as simple as, as you're standing, talking to someone, seeing if there is tension in the physical body, like with your mind, again, the mind, body, breath, they're all the same energy, some more subtle and some more manifest. So it was, we, as we relax the physical body, the mind will also relax. Mm. So first you tune in with your breath. How's your breath doing? Okay. Let's, let's soften. Let's deepen the breath. When I say deepen the breath, I usually mean deepen into the body cavity, so not just breathing.
0: Into the lungs,
2: right? Bigger, yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, you already know what it is. <laughs> so, yeah, really expanding and, and open and breathing down into the body so cavity. People who powder. don't know,
0: it'd be good to explain it as well. Because,
2: yeah, so basically, um, we have a lot of auxiliary muscles. Breathing is the most important thing that you do, and if you don't breathe properly, your body's going to make you breathe in some fashion. It doesn't matter if you can or cannot breathe properly; you're going to breathe the most calming way to breathe because there's no right or wrong. There just is, and there is for different things. For example, athletes should, well, I don't want to should on anyone, but it's most effective. (laughs) It's most most effective for athletes to breathe horizontally.
0: It's
2: it's most effective for athletes to breathe horizontally. Um, not like, right. If you are doing, uh, no horizontal with their rib cage
0: <laughs> I've never so heard you that. can breathe
2: in many different ways we can do a quick exercise but if you think about it if you're an athlete and you're like running down the field you might get tackled you don't want to be like letting your belly come in and out and be like soft and like mush like you want to breathe differently you want to breathe horizontally with like musculature um, sometimes you see people that breathe with their shoulders right that come up and down you see people breathe with their chest or with their back Um, you can see some crazy breathing patterns. We can all do the experiment of where do you breathe right now or how do you breathe, but to get back to the point, the healthy breathing pattern or like one of the most healing breathing patterns and for calming, going into a more parasympathetic arm of the nervous system is letting your diaphragm move down in your body as you inhale, which will naturally first of all, massage the vagus nerve and many important structures. Uh, The vagus nerve is a a really, really important. It's the 10th cranial nerve. It runs from your brain to your body and your body to your brain and it also touches your immune system directly. But as you breathe down, this is the natural pattern. The diaphragm is massaging your internal organs and you'll find that your stomach has to naturally move out because where else are the contents of your stomach gonna go? And then as you exhale, the diaphragm moves back up into the body and the stomach will move in. So, we can do a quick exercise if you want to see how or where you're breathing. Just put your hand, one hand on your chest, one hand on your belly, and breathe. And see if you can see or feel which hand is moving or if a hand is moving. So, for me personally, my top hand isn't moving. Yes. Yeah, and my bottom hand is moving.
1: Yes. Yeah, same
2: but I could very easily switch. So now my bottom hand isn't moving and my top hand is moving.
0: But that's an an ineffective way to breathe, right?
2: It is, it can be comparatively ineffective when we are talking about relaxation because there is reasons for everything. Now, just because, So and just because you said, God, it is so dry here in Dallas, just because you, you you were surprised when we talked about vertical, I mean, horizontal, I'm sorry, breathing. If you take both of your hands, you kind of L them like this. Hmm. You just take them and put them around your rib cage. Try to keep your chest and belly completely still. And as you inhale and exhale, see how far away you can move your hands from your body like that.
1: We've done this before. <laughs>
2: <laughs> mm, yeah. Neither. And then exhale, you're like r- knitting your ribs together. You should feel your hands moving closer to each other. Can you feel that without moving your yeah. belly or your chest? Yeah, I
1: can. So,
2: yeah. <laughs> <Not dizzy. laughs> it is. So, it's, so it, it takes some practice. Um, and if we were in person, I could very easily get you to do it. But uh, this is the most effective way for athletes to breathe. Um, in a lot of circumstances, and it's just for like, so we have,
0: sorry, go. Mm-hmm. no, no, go, go. I was just gonna say, so it's, it's good for athletes because you've got support of the rib cage, if there's any physical interaction with, you know, force that helps minimize issues.
2: That's one of them. Yeah. Another one is, um, cause yeah, cause you could have like blunt force, but another one is more about keeping tension in the body if you think about gymnastics, there's actually a concept called body tightness. So I know this simply because of when I did acro yoga, right? I would, I was, I would also do standing acrobatics um, and I would be throwing people in the air and catching them. And if the person is very soft, (laughs) if if, (laughs) if the person, if if the person was very soft and loose, when I put force into her or his feet, the person would collapse because I'm pushing with, who knows how much, 200, 500 pounds of pressure, like moving into a human. Uh, So you, you need to be able to transfer that movement. So you need to be tight, but gymnasts do this all day, every day. That's how they transfer movement while they're doing like a floor routine or something. And so breathing in that way allows us to stay really tight.
0: Cool. So tension and strength for injury prevention. Are the two keys. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, cool. Yeah, and and while while still getting a really good exchange of oxygen, it's also a nice exercise to do because a lot of people have a lot of tension stored in between the ribs, mm. and just moving that and opening that space a little bit can really free up a lot of things. There's so many points oh,
0: interesting. of tension. I know that just I just can't seem to
2: get on top of them. <laughs> yeah, she's like touching her neck.
1: <laughs> I know. There I'm are. like as you say it. I'm like, uh, it's like everywhere. A of tension. Oh my gosh. Oh,
2: yeah, I love it. So so bringing it back just really quickly to consciousness. Yeah. Finally, um, your we, have peace. The soft, <laughs> we have the <laughs> softening right, of yeah. the body and the breath. And then we can allow what comes up to come up. And a lot of times if we're super anxious, what comes up when we're alone with ourselves is not pleasant because that's what's running the show. But if we don't attach to it with a story, if we just allow it, eventually it'll work itself out. Just keep focusing on the breath. Allow it. Don't feed the story, no matter how enticing it is. No matter how horrific it is or no matter how anxiety causing it is, you like allow it to like pass and eventually you hear your intuition. Some people, they naturally have that intuition, right? And they just like know what to do. They know what's right There's that person that's just like, oh, I shouldn't take this road today or I shouldn't do this today or, I should do this today. Very strong intuition.
1: It's funny you say that because I feel like that like everything you've just been saying, I feel like I have been doing without realizing that I'm doing it and a couple of weeks ago someone had actually I went and had a reading and someone said like you're very highly intuitive and I've really felt it I was like, you know what I really do believe that I'm tapping into something with it you know it is intuition or whatever you want to call it um, but I kind of sit there and go, but how have I done it? like you usually ask me in podcasts like how do you get to that stage and I'm like I feel like I've just been doing it. There's probably a process of, you know, a combination of breath work and meditation and all these things, but I've just been doing those things so regularly that it's like second nature to me that when someone asks me the question, because it's so second nature to me, I'm like, you just do it. Like, I don't, I don't know. You just, I just do it. Mm. So as you're like saying all these things, particularly with the listening, like, and I know I've been doing years and years and years of like working on myself with this, but particularly with the listening, the stage four of listening that really hit me and I was sitting there going, fuck, like, yeah, I, I feel like I do that. I really, really do feel like I, when I'm listening to a person, no matter who it is, whether it's a homeless person, whether it's, you know, a drug addict or whatever, I see past whatever the surface level stuff is and listening to them, I feel like I'm connecting with them on a deeper like, level, but I can't explain what it is. And then they'll say things and I'm like, yeah, I know, like, but you didn't say it. But I, I somehow knew that you were about to say that. So it's really interesting hearing you put it in the way you're putting it because it's like really simple ways of saying it. that I'm like, oh, my God, that's what I've been trying to like project out and say, particularly when you ask me these really hard questions. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just do it. I don't know what the answer is. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting hearing you say all this. I'm like really like, oh, my God, <laughs> he's like so spot on.
0: The, prob- the problem yeah. I've got
2: is oh. – yeah. No, no, go. I'm just clearing my throat. It's so cold here. <laughs>
0: come to come to well, melbourne it's not really that nice,
2: right summer here. It's snowing right now here it's almost snowing here at this point <laughs> um
0: so like from for my experience it's my intuit like i've not very been very intuitive so that's something i've had to actively work on so i've always i think maybe i have had it there but it's been blunted by mm. analytics it's been just beaten down to a pulp and i'm a lot of the times and I've learned, I'm learning this lesson over and over again, re- in the really hard ways because my gut says something and then I, I, my brain wants something else. And then I go with my brain and then I it works out terribly.
2: <laughs> and you know, some, some people come across it very easily. Some people come across it very naturally. Um, Some people, right? There's some people we have to, I'm also extremely analytic. And that's why I really take these two. Like what does modern science say? What does ancient wisdom say? Where do they both cross paths? There is a saying that maybe you guys, you have heard. It's pretty many paths, one truth. Mm. So we all kind of are going to the same place, Mm. right? If you're on, you're Mm. on the path, you're, you're kind of going to end up on the same place doesn't matter what lineage you come from or whether you're doing skydiving or yoga as long as the intentionality is there you're using everything to grow you're working on yourself eventually you're getting there
0: mm, that's how i feel about when someone asks me about religion i use this analogy it's like think of a mountain christianity's here islam's here buddhism's here hinduism's here and they're all doing all these little <laughs> little little journeys up but the point's the same it's the same top point and at some point, it's like you have to break the shackles of that religion, to get to the next stage of spirituality. But they're all going to the same point. So it's funny you say that. That saying, it kind of ties into my thought process on, on spirituality and religion as well.
2: You know, super wild, speaking of spirituality and religion. Uh, I was having a really heartfelt conversation with someone yesterday. And um, he was giving a eulogy for his sister. And the eulogy he gave was the exact thing that you just said with the mountain. There's different spots in the mountain and we all get to the top. And that was the first time I had really heard that. And he had just told me that yesterday. There you go. Maybe you are sure <laughs> yeah, Maybe I don't know. <laughs> just read. I just read a and lot. I was I was thinking that as as right before you were talking, I was thinking about how he had said that to me. I was like, maybe should I use the mountain analogy? <laughs> I'm just gonna say one past many truth. And then you said it.
0: <laughs> oh wow. Well um so Finding your peace. So you've got, your, you've got getting to your breath, understanding your thought, you aren't your thoughts, understanding, getting into your intuition.
2: Understanding I mean, that you're not your thoughts and then being able to access this deeper space that actually does have access to the truth.
0: Yeah. So with the truth, you can begin to live in a space of peace irrespective of what's going on around you
2: not quite so simple but it's a really good starting spot for like for this conversation because once you realize you're not your thoughts it's not really as catastrophic as it all seems yeah does that make sense like there's 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 a crazy statistic that it's like God, it's it's something really wild. Well. It's like 98% of what we worry about never comes to fruition or something yeah, like that. Yeah. They did like a study on like people's like, think like thought patterns and behaviors. And it's, it's, it's really crazy. It's like it was like 98.6% of like all thoughts that you think that are worry that are worrisome thoughts specifically the study was looking at, um, never come to fruition.
0: And the ones and stress is like,
2: a aren't what?
0: As bad. The ones that do generally aren't as bad as you think they are in your head.
2: You can't do anything about it. Yeah. You want to be working and moving towards always the best version of yourself, but there are some things that you can and some things that you can't control. And worrying about it actually doesn't help. Mm. <laughs> Not that no one will ever worry. I'm just... Right? It's We're doing the best we can.
0: Mm. Do you know much about... Uh, we're going to... Like, I, 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 I'm a worrier. I definitely worry a lot. That I do have a high level of anxiety. And I'm <laughs> wondering... Excuse me. You're putting it nicely. And and, you know, I've like like I meditate and I do yoga and I try and journal and and it's still kind of there. And I'm wondering. And I've gone to a psychologist, and the psychologist said to me, "He's like, you know, these anxiety levels quite high. Do you think there's something physical going wrong?" And I've noticed as I've begun to work in kind of calisthenics and more body weight work, like we, we all bonded again in, in Tulum over handstands. <laughs> oh, we did. I, I used
2: to teach handstands for a long time.
0: Yeah. 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 And if you go on their Instagram, it's like, handstands left, right and center. <laughs> and your wife's like just, I'm like doing my shitty, like two second handstands. And your wife was just like, Hey, try this. And just pikes up <laughs> like next to the pool. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, okay. But, um, I've noticed that as I've begin, <laughs> begun to work on the lower back and and begin that to develop that um, strength across the whole body, as opposed to you know the lifting weights approach, where you just a lot of times there's a lot of imbalances. I'm beginning to notice that my anxiety levels are dropping. It's as though my lower back on a physical level, because my lower back was really really weak, and it's getting stronger. It's like the the fact that my my body understood that my lower back was weak and therefore it felt like the foundation was therefore weak mentally, and therefore it, by a baseline, gave me anxiety. So I don't know if there's something legit here, or this is just something I've stumbled across, but like, it's as though strong physical core results in stronger mental core, which results in lower anxiety. Have you experienced that at all? Or
2: Yeah, definitely. So like I've been saying, the physical body, the breath, and the mind, they're all correlated. And they all mirror each other to a certain degree. There are some really interesting specific things. Like, for example, low back. They say in the specific uh, lineage of meditation that I come from, they say that, you know, if the low back is too active, this creates excessive thoughts. Interesting. If the low back is agitated when you're meditating. So sometimes it's actually you want you do want to lean back a little bit um, because there is a concept in yoga called stirum and sukham, effort and ease. And this is very true for meditation as well. So you want to be alert enough that you don't fall asleep. But if you're too active and upright and you are like straining, then that's all you can really focus on. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, movement itself also, there have been lots of studies done. Movement itself is also like um, pain relieving, It is good for mental health and releasing different kinds of, you know, feel good compounds into the brain and body. So there's lots of different reasons that actually like moving your body and stretching out, you know, stretching in the physical sense is very good for our central nervous system Mm -hmm. because you don't actually elongate the muscles by stretching, Mm -hmm. right? You don't actually get a longer lap. You do an overhead pull or something. Whatever it is that you're doing, your hamstrings don't become longer as you touch your toes better. Your brain just tells your body that it's safe to be in that range of motion. Mm. Your brain is removing inhibition. It's saying, "Hey, you're not going to hurt yourself here. I don't have to stop you." So as you're gaining like functionality in your body, it's 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 very correlated.
0: So what what does that what does that exactly mean? Like so realistically. Why would your brain stop you from moving your body into those levels of stretches if it's all in the brain?
2: If you have a patient and they're anesthetized, you're about to do a procedure on them. You can take their body through any range of motion you want. Crazy hyper-flexible things. Full range of motion. Every single joint. 100%. I'd love to see if that. they're central, <laughs> if they're, if they're, if they're central, if their central nervous system is off, their joints will do anything. Their body will move in any position. As long as there's no physical limitation, right? Maybe there's like a joint that's like fused together or something like in the back, like spinal thing, like turning off central nervous is not going to change like bone structure, but so, so all
0: the tension, full is from range the of central nervous system,
2: correct. Wow. It's self-imposed It's because your body's telling you know, you are telling your body over long periods of time, what is safe and what is not safe. And we have certain receptors in our body that are basically telling us what is and is not safe, sending signals back up to the brain. And over time, when you don't use and move these, when you don't send these kinds of signals to your body, these little receptors die slowly over time. Cause they're very expensive to keep alive as well. And. There's also a second component, which is that sometimes weakness in the body will make us, and the brain knows when we're weak or not, the brain will intentionally turn things off if we're too weak. For example, if the body knows, you know, you haven't been doing overhead movement your whole life. You never lift your arm past 45 degrees. Sometimes you have to reach a plate. But then you go into CrossFit and you're doing Olympic lifting and all of a sudden your arm comes up over your head and you're doing like heavy weights and you hurt your back. It's because like the joints don't have enough strength and the body's like, hey, we're in like an unsafe position. So we're like, we're shutting this movement down with pain Mm. kind of deal. And all that we're doing when we stretch is we're telling our body, hey, it's like safe to be in this range of motion. That's why weighted stretching is so freaking effective. Because you're building strength. When it's done properly, obviously it it's done properly. You're, you're building strength in a range of motion. Mm-hmm. And you're like telling your body, yeah, it's safe to be here.
0: Well, we'll check back in a year because my newest my, my goals were, fitness-wise, were to do a 10-second handstand, which I've got pretty close to, a muscle-up, nice. which now I can do three um, nice. on rings. And now I've switched my goals to a minute handstand, five muscle-ups, and middle splits. So that's what we're working on now. So we'll check back in a year and cause I'm not flexible yet. Like I, I keep saying yet, because it's my, if you believe it, you, you do it. That's my way to tackle that. But, um, yeah, so I'm working on that now because I've, I'm tight all the time for now. For your
2: handstands, <laughs> do you fall for your handstands? Do you fall towards your feet or do you fall towards your,
0: I fall over, uh, feet. do you I fall, you fall over my, your feet? Yeah. I fall on my back.
2: So you flop over a lot. Yeah, a lot. I so for you, the key. Back. So for you, the key is actually probably alignment, tightness, and pushing into your fingertips. Yeah, I'm working. So on working on being like that tight that on your grip, body, pushing into your fingertips. Like, yeah,
0: yeah, gorilla grip or whatever. Mm-hmm. It my, I, I was very flat, and I've one of my friends who's crushing it on the handstands. He was like, get, "Look at this grip. Get this grip right, and then everything will work." And I tried the grip, and I realized how weak my hands were and how weak my forearms were.
2: You're doing like like this, right?
0: Yeah, I've started going that. Yeah. yeah.
2: so you want to make sure that you're pressing like into the into the pads of your fingers and that you're like making this little bit of tension right there.
0: So the, the Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'm so hard, anyway.
2: The weight the weight should be the weight should be like right here. All the weight of your handstand <laughs> should be like right here. Yeah. And sometimes it can travel this way. But traveling this way, the weight is like it's not good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not there yet. Like my hands are very weak in those positions, so I'm like actively. All my training now is actively strengthening that little this this bit, <laughs> and yeah. I feel like yeah. I'm noticing. I'm really noticing. We like I did it. It's been a month or so since I realized this, and and then you notice how it impacts other elements of your workouts. Like I, every at the start of every workout, I'll do a passive hang with two arms, and yesterday. For some reason, I haven't t- done one-hand hang I, in a long time, because it just I can't do them, and I just was like, oh. and I'm like, wait a second, like this is a lot easier than having it here. <laughs> <laughs> I to chill here, which is cool. Um, so it's really I, I, I love, I love the body weight stuff. I'm obsessed. It just seems like the most effective way to have a functioning, strong body, functioning, strong and flexible, mm. because you very quickly see the things that a deficient <laughs> and you, there's no way to hide.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Making sure that you're working. You know, I would, I would recommend personally working on handstands almost every day. If you have like really good programming and you don't have too much volume, doing things that you specifically need, body tightness drills, pushing into the fingertips. Um, and then obviously making sure your diet is on point so you can recover, getting enough protein 0. 0.8 grams to one gram per pound body weight, as well as carbohydrates are extremely anabolic. So mm. Putting as much carbs as you can around that workout period so you can really recover for the next one. You'll have that handstand in no time.
0: We're getting there. We're getting there. Um, <laughs> w- would you say you're religious? Sorry. Like, what, where mm. would you put yourself in that spectrum?
2: Hmm, that is a great question. Um, I don't not believe in anything, right? Anything could be a possibility. Uh, by birth I was born Jewish mm. and I wouldn't say that I'm a practicing Jew in the sense that I follow everything to the tier I'm Orthodox when I go home I have Shabbos dinner I do the high holy days um, at the same time you know
0: I uh, I've, I've...
2: the high holy days
0: yeah I don't know what that is
2: oh certain holidays oh, like there's oh, like a okay. there's... Oh, like yeah. holy, holy
0: day. days, <laughs> holy days,
2: high holy days. There are high holy days. Yes, there there are some holidays that like are like kind of important. There's some holidays that are like really right. important. <laughs> <seriously>. <laughs> right. It's like ah, oh, you got to do this. But at the same time, you know, my wife is Christian, or my wife is not Christian at all. I don't know why I just said that. She's in, she's entirely not Christian. In fact, she's she's probably more Buddhist than anything. Um and so her mother and they're both from China um buddhist i think probably but they celebrate christmas so i have yeah. like judaism buddhism but for some reason we all celebrate christmas so you just got like so many um,
0: celebratory periods cuz
2: <laughs> i just use everything as like an experience to grow right i like how can i be as like as as devout to this particular you know modality as possible mm. Um
1: okay. I think that's healthy though. Like I I was I was raised Catholic, but I don't I never resonated with Catholicism. I I feel like I can resonate more with Buddhism just because of the teachings and the learnings I've taken from it that really really stuck with me that I've applied to life. And I'm sure like I haven't even looked into other religions, but from things I've read here and there I'm like, that makes sense to me. Like, that practice, that teaching, that makes sense to me. Um, So getting curious about it all is where I sit because I'm just like, there's nothing wrong with believing, not even believing, but just questioning and asking and then trying and implementing and implying, applying, not implying, applying, um, and seeing what works for you. Like, you know, my my whole family, I was – I'm Croatian, so we're very – they're very, very – you need to go to church on a Sunday. You need to – but you sit there, and the priest just talks shit (laughs) about his life. And it's like, what are we actually sitting here trying to do? Like, it doesn't make sense. Um, But I couldn't say that to my family. (laughs) Lucky that my family doesn't listen to this podcast because they'd be like, why are you saying that about Catholicism? But, you know, I just think it's like – I love listening to other people's views of religion because I, right now, don't even know what my – standpoint is. I'm just like I'm just trying to learn as much as I can right now because everything is relevant.
2: Yeah, I definitely try to rely heavily on direct experience. Yeah. So I've had some very religious, extreme religious experiences, um, and spiritual experiences, and I don't think that they're mutually exclusive.
0: Mm. Mm. What do you mean by that?
2: <clears throat> well I have through various means of breath work and meditation, um, felt things that are, to me, undeniably a sign of something, right? At the same time, I've been in Jerusalem, on my knees crying, having extremely religious experiences. And um, I've also, you know, back in the day, way long ago, when I was a wild and crazy kid, and I don't, uh, you know, advocate for this. You know, I've also done like mushrooms and psychedelics and I've had another variety of experiences that mm. felt very real um, and beyond just seeing things. If that like uh, mystical experiences mm. that were very relevant to my life at that point, And that really helped me through some places. Mm. And I don't think any of these three are mutually exclusive. I don't think that these are all that different. And I didn't really feel all that different In all of them, the context was different, but the content was very much the same. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think about this a bit, and I feel like there are, again, I go back to that mountain analogy, there's many ways to get to a, a spiritual experience, um, some of them harder than others. Like I would put breath work and meditation on the harder side and I'd put putting <laughs> a type of acid in your mouth on the easier side, but they're, they both, they're all tools to get to a similar outcome. And, you know, I've, I've, I dabble with um, hallucinogens as well. And I've listened to a podcast, do you know, you know, rum hmm like he talks well. about hallucinogens and, that And I like this this analogy and this framework of it being that they open you up to a spiritual experience, but you 're always going to come back down so use it as a tool to know that that spiritual experience can exist, and then the work begins to be able to, to reach it without use of those substances and that 's when the magic really happens and I think maybe you can maybe having you know the meditation and breath work frameworks, and then also having the religious frameworks it 's basically a yeah, pulling aside all the individual kind of components that are location based, and you know, so, you know, some other human that's put their spin on whatever is there. The, the foundation of it is it's effectively a step by step guide, whichever religion you choose, to reach that spiritual point. That spiritual point, same spiritual point you can reach through hallucinogens. So. Yeah, I fully agree with you. It's, it's, all, it's, all, <laughs> it's all part of the same little web of things. And you know what the funniest yeah. part is? You, you begin that journey by focusing on your breath.
2: <laughs> yeah, it all, it all comes back to the breath. And, you know, you said it really well. You said it actually perfectly. It's really hard to breathe and meditate. It's really easy to put a tab of acid on your mouth. It's pay now or pay later. Mm. Everything is pay now or pay later. So
0: And now our sponsors after paying. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> sponsors of this podcast. Neutro Mushroom. Buy now, pay um, later.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's but, but you it, want to
0: sponsor the podcast?
2: <laughs> but it is but it is true. Hey, maybe Neutro Mushroom is the first sponsor. There we go. Um you know, it, it really is pay now or pay later. When they looked at the brains of monks and uh, avid psychedelic users. They found the same neural connections Mm. were present. But the monks had way more gray matter. It was something like almost twice the amount of gray matter because they were gaining and the people who were just abusing psychedelics were losing. So it's hard to move your attention and your awareness. It's hard to sit still, especially in today's day and age, where Mm. a lot of people's worth and ability to feel and express love is tied to what they can do in the world taking time off for yourself is not only shown largely in a selfish context, it's kind of changing now. Like everyone's like super pro therapy and stuff, even though I really prefer somatic therapies. Um, what do you mean? Healing <clears throat> this is a pretty long conversation. I know. I was like,
1: oh my God, we're going to be here for six hours. If it goes into somatic we're going to, we're going to,
2: we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get, we're going to get into some, we're going to get into some real stuff, but somatic therapies help you move things through the body. Not all practitioners are created the same. If you look at therapy, you should be able to look at the different schools of therapy and see, oh, there's one school of therapy that's better than the others because this school of therapy has better outcomes than the others. That's not the case. All schools of therapy are almost exactly equal. Almost exactly equal when you take all the practitioners and you put them you like you plot them out and you see people moving through stages of development or you see people in their healing journeys, perceived levels of happiness, contentment, all, all these therapies, almost exactly the same. Why? Well, you, you see this, this variance, there are good and there are not so good practitioners of every therapy. And it's actually the practitioner that has the larger, um, that is the larger decider of outcome in these settings. So you could go to a different, a therapy like from one school of thought or one specific type of therapy and have a completely different outcome from someone who goes to the same school of thought, but has a different practitioner, because the levels of the practitioner are different and the skill set of the practitioner is different. It's actually more dependent on the practitioner's skill. And somatic therapy is when they're done correctly. I really like them because we're moving energy through the body. A lot of times energy is stuck. Something is, stuck. And I know that this, it can seem very metaphysical, but you can just think of it as like a neuronal pathway is like really engraved in the brain and we need to like change it up in a big way. There's different ways to say the same thing for me. I like referring to like the energy of the situation and like how it feels, but there is a scientific basis to it too. And so things like breathing, when we're like almost reprogramming a large portion of the brain, it's very similar to psychedelics, at least the style of breath work that I do. It's very similar to psychedelics, and um, there are tons of different you know therapies for tons of different people. Some people really need a skilled trauma therapist, you know, before they can even start meditating or breath work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so.
0: Okay, so that's a whole other, <laughs> seems like a lot it's to do. It's a long, it would it, be a long, it'd be a long so conversation. Go cool. for another day. Yeah. Right, yeah. so how did, we, how did we get to that point? We, what was our, the side note you were talking about? I
2: forgot what the question was. There was a question about like.
1: Uh, I don't know, I can't even remember. No, it's all right.
0: That's okay. That's all good. Um there's so many more things I want to talk to you about There's so many different directions we can take this. Um, but I'm conscious of your time. So I feel like maybe it's worth us having, you know, maybe exploring another conversation down the line. It's been really yeah, good to chat. Definitely. This, I've got so many things. I'm <laughs>
1: looking at his list like, like oh my God, these are, all,
0: these are all like really, really like, we could go yeah. down a rabbit hole in so many directions. There's one. Okay. I'm going to ask two more questions and then we'll, we'll call it. Happy with that? Perfect. Okay. Yeah, of course. So. Oh shit! Which one? (laughs) Um, So you touched that you're a vegan, and
1: how long have you been vegan? Just out of curiosity.
2: Almost eleven years. Okay.
1: Oh, that's close to me. I think I'm coming up to my eight year anniversary.
2: Wow! Awesome. Mm. I I knew um... we vibed instantly. (laughs) (laughs) And I am a meat eater. (laughs) (laughs) Still good. We still vibe. vibe, (laughs) Well, look,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to hear your why on veganism, and then I've got a follow-up question as a
2: medium. Sure. My why is ethical.
0: Okay. Which means?
2: Which means um, I follow a guideline of ahimsa, and I try with all of my actions and behaviors to cause as little harm and suffering as possible with everything Mm -hmm. that I do and there aren't always ways that i can make it as little as harm as possible for example i don't know how these ear pods were produced i hear mm-hmm. bad stuff about it and the technology that's invented but i'm wearing ear pods and i really i haven't done the research and i could be more diligent and i could research every little thing where did this computer come from what about this ring light that i'm using this the foundation of this house how is it built who built it were they treated fairly
0: at what point do veganism you
2: like? is a very Veganism is a very easy way for me to be like, I'm reducing the suffering in the world. Okay.
1: I have like, it's funny because like I've been vegan, like I said, for nearly eight or well, eight years now. And I don't promote it to people. Like if someone says to me, oh, do you eat meat? I go, no, I've been vegan for however many years. Um, and I've got this real like issue with, some vegans who are very, very hardcore that they slam anybody that's just trying to make a change, right? And the changes could be small and incremental. You know, like, for example, all right, they're cutting out meat, they're following a plant-based diet, but they've still got leather shoes or, Mm. you know, they've still got whatever. And then you've got people who come in and are just like, you're not a vegan. And it's like, yeah, okay, I might not be a vegan, I'm following a plant-based diet – and they just come in and they slam and they slam and slam to the point where I've seen people revert back to mm. like eating meat out of spite. And I'm just like, I sometimes sit there and go, how do you, how do you like not so much push it? Cause I know you just got to lead by example. You need to live a healthy, good life and let it almost do the talking for you. But I always like, I've come under fire. People have come after me and going, you're not a real vegan. And I'm like, how dare well, they? Hey,
2: I said, how dare they?
1: I know rude, I'm trying, I'm like, that's the thing. Like I go, but I'm reducing the suffering as much as I can, humanly possible right now um, to just try and help better the world and the environment and the people around me. And it just, I really like, I, I really try to not let it affect me. But when I see these conversations happening where it's like, no matter, like everyone's trying, we're all out here just trying our very best with what we have, with what we know. And conditioning is hard to undo, but it's just interesting. Like what I'm interested in is how do you like either have those conversations or not let it affect you as much? Because I find it agitates me sometimes and I try really hard for it to not. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I get conflicted because I'm like, how do you have these conversations with people where it's like, can you just see that these people are trying to make a change and a difference and coming after them is not useful adding value to anybody's life right now
2: i think it depends there are three on super life. important yeah and there are three super important things when thinking about something like this so one we spoke about before you're placing an energetic lid on someone when you come near them and you are also an energetic lid is just a way of saying like you kind of have a perceived notion of someone and, mm. and people kind of live up to that standard but also like we said the heart the brain they all have these electromagnetic waves and the only thing that you can really give someone is your inner state look at gandhi who just worked on himself and changed almost half the world? He even perfect his inner state. Still a flawed human, just like the rest of us. So, thing number one is you can only give someone your inner state. So, being nice to someone is always going to be more effective than being mean or hard. Mm-hmm. Thing number two is most vegans actually don't really care about animals, um, and they will fight you to the death to try to prove otherwise. But really, what they're doing is they're acting out childhood conditioning, and they're I'm bad. And they're just using this as an outlet and they're just spewing that out. Mm. Um, So it's really not about veganism or activism. Many activists out there are actually just their I'm bad is super, super triggered. And they're just going off the handles. Um, And it's a a, a self-defense mechanism. It's a coping mechanism. Um, Probably a much much longer conversation. Um, And then the third thing is that, you know, Everyone is trying their best. Everyone is doing their best. There is really, if we really get down to it, there is no right or wrong. It's mm. just what I perceive to be right and what I perceive to be wrong based on my societal conditions and standards
0: uh, of your experiences. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So um, you know, there are some parts of the world where people actually can't be vegan. Like if someone's just herding cattle in like a desert. That's the only thing they have to eat. And you're like, you should be a vegan
1: or you're a bad person. So right? thank you for bringing this up because th- this is one of the, the things that I'm like now thinking ahead with. So I'm at the moment in the process of building this school in Kenya. Okay. And every, there's, there's been a few vegans that have said to me, it's actually one of my friends. She's a very big vegan activist and she has been helping with the fundraising for this school so much. And she says to me the other day that someone asked if the fundraiser was vegan. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, what, like, as in, is it for animals? And she's like, no, is everything that you're implementing going to be vegan? So like food programs, sustainable food programs. And I was like, they, do you understand where this country is? It's exactly that. All they have is cattle or livestock. They don't even have like any way to grow vegetables. Sure. I'll try and figure out a way to maybe help in that sense. But
2: so here's, so here's, so here's, here's the, here's the thing, right? So this person will she not give the money if it's not vegan?
0: And you don't have to answer.
2: You don't. You don't. You don't. You don't don't have to answer that. But what's going to do? What is more? What is leading to more suffering? Not having the school or eating the cow. Yeah. So there's a hierarchy. I was I was once speaking to actually the person who convinced me to go vegan, and she's developed a lot since then, by the way. But uh, I was talking to her, and she stated something like that to me and i was like if i was in a burning building with the with a cat you would save me right and she was like <laughs> well i'd have to i'd have to weigh out the options like i would just like i would cuz all life is like kind of equal you know and i was like oh man no no right it's really yeah. um we're we're doing this to like reduce suffering but there is yeah. like a hierarchy of things that are important could your just, existence
0: like, reduce more suffering in the long term than the cat
2: Maybe is that a way yeah. to think about it?
1: Yeah, it's or, just interesting because what I'm finding in myself is, like you said, the fourth stage of listening. That's where it's coming into play because I'm having to step back and not react and go, "Hold on," <laughs> like just let myself get in check first. I can't judge this person for what they believe. You holding and
2: what... you holding them in love and you allowing them to express themselves and be in a space without judging them back. Yeah, because they are looking for that chemical cocktail that they grew up with, and yeah. they're they're, use, they're targeting you right now. Even if they don't know it, this is all subconscious. Mm, mm. On the surface, they're like a vegan and they like love animals and they're like this amazing activist or whatever, but that's underneath it, right? There is, you know, being vegan is a privilege. And I don't say that like, oh, like, it's like such a privilege. It's just like, I have a supermarket next to my house like that I can yeah. go buy food.
1: Yeah. You know,
2: that's not the case for a lot of the world. Yeah. Like, I I spend many months per year in Mexico and Costa Rica. When I come back to the States and I see, like, streetlights and, like, whole foods, I'm, like, almost it's a spiritual experience. Like, we were talking about before I walk in, my eyes are watering. I'm like, oh, my God, tofu. (laughs) I'm, like, having a spiritual experience in that moment. This is not how most of the world lives. Yeah.
1: No, I, I can relate to that so much, like on so many levels. Cause I know when I came back, I was just looking at everything like, oh my God, running tap water or, oh my God, like cups to drink out of. And it was just so this whole beautiful experience.
2: This is, this is, and this is, this is put on your path for a reason. Mm. Can you hold, this is for you to develop and grow. Can you hold these people in love, even though they're triggering something in you? Cause if you were firm in your belief, if you had no doubt, if you had no childhood trauma, it wouldn't bother you. Yeah. no, 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 no. good. That's a good. That's yes, a big it, sentence. <laughs> it's showing <laughs> really you. It's showing sentence. you. It's showing you the unhealed version of yourself. Spirit or the universe is showing you. It's like, oh, you're so high and mighty, building a school. It's like this is the unhealed version. This is the unhealed part of yourself. Poke, 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 poke.
1: Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> it's happening so regularly. And there's a part of me that loves it because I know that's where I have to sit in that discomfort of trying to figure out, well, where in my past or where in my childhood does this continuously happen and where is it that repeated behaviour where I have to pause – Step back and just see it for what it is, even if it sucks, or I think it sucks because that's what I'm attaching to it right now. Yeah, it
2: definitely sucks. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, um, hard work. <laughs> it's hard work. Yeah, it's not. It's not like easy. Like, oh, just transcend and you're <laughs> yeah, like, No, yeah. it's, it's not easy work. This is, this is. This is. like it's like it's like firm, but you know you're gonna grow from this. You're gonna be such a better facilitator, a teacher, yeah. a leader of this school. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna make you a. God, your resolve is gonna be so strong. You're gonna be aligned with the right people. You know, and you're probably going to help these people in in the yeah. process. The people who are causing you grief.
1: Mm. Yeah. So it's just mm. been this interesting journey, and like the whole the veganism thing happened not that long ago, and that's where I stopped and was like, "Hang on, why is this happening right now? Like, why is this person coming after me when I'm trying to do something? Yeah. That I think is a good thing. Um. But yeah, it's just it's all it fascinates me. Like I genuinely get excited when I have to like not excited, but like <laughs> when I see these things happening, these challenges, I'm like. I've done this so many times that I know the outcome is always, I become a better person. Mm -hmm. I just can't see it for what it is right now because I'm so close to it. But hindsight and perspective is going to teach me that it's there to, like you said, teach me to be a better person for society.
2: Ramdas says it really well. You know, it's like you go out and you protest the war with hate. Yeah. yeah. You're creating, you're creating more, you're creating more. Mm.
0: Well, on that note, there's a a question I had for you around like the food and nutrition and all this sort of stuff. And like, what, what do you think is causing so much polarity in people's opinions on food? There's like a tribalism that is coming through in like veganism and carnivore and keto and and then everyone like in the middle that just has no idea about anything. And they're like, "Ah, I just want to be healthy. But the, the news tells me to eat grain, like eat like Wheaties. (laughs) It's
2: It's like, what do you think it is? So it's important for me to say this just right off the bat. Veganism is not the healthiest diet in the world. You can have many diets that are very healthy. Veganism is one of them. Mm -hmm. And if I wasn't vegan, I would have this same opinion. That's very important for me to stress at the beginning, and this cannot be taken out of context. Because a lot of trends that are happening right now, people just haven't had enough time to die yet. The human body is very resilient. I'm not even kidding. Eating that much animal protein, your body goes through a process called deamination. You basically cleave the nitrogenous base off of this protein and you create urea and ammonia inside of your body. It's very hard on your organs. Having super high LDL is not good for you. You know, everyone looks at, for example, Liver King. And they're like, this human, he's so strong. He's, if you didn't know he was doing steroids by how red he was and how big he was before this, you know now. Mm. That dude was, is dead at like 50. But from now, from like, what is he, 35 or 40? For these next 10 years, he's going to have a run. And maybe he will slow down on the, on the PEDs and he won't die if his LDL doesn't get him first.
0: So I um, thought it was the ratio of LDL to HDL that was the important part from what I've understood. Is that incorrect? No,
2: no, it is not. It is not. Um, you need to get your LDL under check. There's a, a specifically one part of the LDL, APOB, which is like really a good measure if you're going to have a heart attack or not. And the reason I say this is because there are lots of trends. These have been coming out for a super long time. And what is unfortunate is now with social media is that people are not able to fully decipher and read the studies. And lots of these people, especially the uh, carnivore people, people, they cherry pick specific parts of specific studies. I see like, unfortunately, the psychiatrist, just so you know, Paul Saladino, um, will cherry pick. Certain parts of certain studies, like he cherry picked the study. He was like, look at this study. Fiber is not all that great for you. No, one group of people who had low microbiome and took fiber, a large amount, it wasn't the best for them. But the author of that paper says, in interviews and otherwise, that those people should introduce fiber slowly over time because fiber is very beneficial. People are cherry picking tiny bits of information, sensationalizing them on social media. They have a good body and boom, Everyone follows and it's it's really an issue. And, I, and by the way, I'm not against people eating whatever they want and no one has to be vegan, but people cherry pick studies, take PEDs or otherwise, or just have like a, a good body or good genetics. I have some friends who have amazing body genetics um, and they work out half as much as me and they look twice as good. It's just the luck of the draw, it's okay. But when you look on social media, this little snapshot of life, and now all of a sudden everyone has to eat, right? We spoke, everyone has to breathe, everyone has to eat. So it's really polarizing for people. People get caught in the dogma. Even you see vegans are doing it like we were just talking about. They're so caught in their dogma that they're losing sight of other things. And unfortunately, people in some camps have a very big vested interest. In mm-hmm. people following these certain diets and buying certain supplements.
0: Okay, so with that in mind, it's like, mm-hmm. if, you know, for me, like, I'm not necessarily going to go vegan, but like, what would you suggest is just generally the best and simplest way to tackle this without going vegan?
2: Just like I said before, being vegan is not the healthiest diet, it is, is one of the, is healthiest the healthiest diets. Healthiest? From your understanding. There is really no healthiest diet. There really is no healthiest diet, and anyone who speaks in absolutes, by the way, that's kind of a red flag. You should just, you should kind <laughs> of be like, if someone's like, right, um, <clears throat> you know, the dash diet, pescatarian, there, there are lots of different ways that the Mediterranean diet—they've all been shown to have like cardioprotective, to be good for you. Now, something that I would argue is that we're, the world is becoming so polluted and the microplastics are building up in the tissues so much you know when i was in um when i was in high school i had an internship i had two really fun internships one internship was with one of the leading sports dietitians in the world and i got to shadow her for a summer and like work in her clinic with her that's why i have such a love for sports science and specifically nutrition um but the other really fun internship was working with alligators, catching alligators in the wild and uh, tagging them and taking little, uh, what's called scooter samples. So alligators have these little cliffs on their back and it's painless for the alligator. You take like a little snip off of one of their um, scooters. First, you have to catch them. You go out into a boat in the middle of the night and you find an alligator. You put a ring around its neck and it basically goes into like this death roll for a few minutes. You know what I'm talking about, right? The very classic disembody your prey. And because they're cold-blooded, they eventually run out of energy and just freeze up. Wow. So then you just take a scooter, you make sure that they have their energy back, and then you release them. They're all the same. And you can tell by the ratio of carbon to nitrogen in their blood what they're eating. And what they're eating has been eating. And this was my first like real-life experience with biomagnification, with taking something down the food chain and it gets like bigger and bigger, the larger the prey get. And so our body is not used to getting rid of microplastics. Mm. They just found for the first time ever, fresh microplastics and fresh snowfall, fresh snowfall had microplastics in Antarctica. So wait, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. You can't (laughs) breathe in microplastics. Every single week you eat a credit card's worth of plastic if you're a meat eater, you eat more. There's all kinds of pollutants, mercury, toxins of various kinds. People don't like the word toxins. They're like, oh, it's like not specific chemicals, bad chemicals that bioaccumulate in these animals. And then we eat them. Mm. And because you're moving up the food chain, that's the one argument I would make is that in probably if we had really long-term data, I think veganism is becoming the healthiest diet because because
0: environmental factors.
2: Fish are effed. We are really screwing the environment. We're like, we're not being good stewards to the land in any way, shape, or form. We're allowing greed to run the show. This is why Neutral Mushroom, my mushroom supplement company, is like really dedicated to being zero plastic and a lot of other things. Because it's not just about the money for us. It's about actually helping people. And, you know, I think there was a time in our history where pescatarian diet was the healthiest diet by far we had like the most access to fish and it was like a good source of calories. And now, you know, I, I I can't recommend it. I just, without it, I don't think veganism is the healthiest because I think people can still be healthy doing other things, but God, very soon veganism will be the healthiest very soon. I think just because we're polluting everything so much. Um, and the quicker that people switch over, by the way, the quicker we're going to develop the technology so that nothing is different. They already have bioidentical way. We can grow lab grown meat. You can have all the food you eat and no animals need to die. And, um, there's just not money or attention or time there right now. But if everyone like switched over, it would be done very quickly. So, um, I think very soon veganism is going to be the healthiest just right now. The studies are still showing, you know, you can be on the dash diet, Mediterranean diet, pescatarian diet. You can still be very healthy. Dash diet. Um, I want to be mindful of our time, but it's just, it's just some diet guidelines. You can look it up, um, on Google, just type in, it's all capital D A S H. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think like Dean Ornish, I think, I think it's by Dean Ornish. Uh, Uh, he, he created it. it. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Well, um, all right. Well, final question. What is the meaning of life?
2: (laughs) The meaning of life, I think it's to be present. Nothing else matters. There is no past. There is no future. There just is right now and who you're with.
1: Yeah, I love that.
2: Cool.
0: All right.
1: Max, thank you so much for your time. It's been awesome speaking to you. Like you've said some things that I was just like, wow. Wow. Um, so yeah, <laughs> really appreciate it. Really, really appreciate You're it. You're a wise
0: man with a lot to give to the world. Um, I'm glad we connected.
2: Uh, thank you both so much for your time and energy for having me on as the first international guest. It is truly, it was. It is truly an honor. I enjoyed it. I enjoy both of you immensely, and I'm really glad that we got to share this time and space. Let's do it again sometime soon. Awesome. Absolutely. All right. Have a good one. I'll talk to you.
0: Later. See ya.
2: Be easy. <laughs>